parts of when we retire. There's also a loss that comes when we fail in some way. Now, I want to tell you a well-known story in the last of our series in the book of John this morning. And uh, rather than read you the passage from John 21, which you're welcome to look up, um, I want just to uh, tell it from the viewpoint uh, of Peter. I was always a leader among the disciples. The others looked up to me for direction. It might have been because I was a bit older, I'm not sure, but I was just the natural leader of the group. But after what happened, I I couldn't face anyone anymore. It was not that Jesus hadn't warned us, he kept telling us he was going to die. We heard the words, but they didn't sink in. I mean, we'd known for months that Jesus was not just a man, he was He was the one. The chosen one, the Messiah, we knew that. But it just didn't make sense that he'd die. How did that glorify God? To be honest, sometimes Jesus didn't really speak straight. I mean, I'm a straight up sort of guy, spades a spade, but Jesus had this habit of making my head spin. John got it more easily. He was the bright one, the smart one amongst us. But sometimes Jesus could talk in riddles. But at that last meal, he told me that I would deny him three times before the cock crowed. I didn't believe him. I said, I will follow you anywhere, Jesus. But then the guards came. I tried to put up a fight, but it was just hopeless. So the others were useless. We were outnumbered and we couldn't fight professional soldiers. And suddenly I wasn't sure anymore. Was Jesus just going to die like all those other revolutionaries that had come before him? Why were they letting him do this to him? I'd seen him calm storms. In the middle of a storm, he would just speak a word and suddenly the waves were flat. I'd seen him raise people from the dead. So why didn't he show his power now? Why was he being beaten and humiliated like this? Surely that stuff he'd said about death was just a parable. I got up the courage to creep into the courtyard of the high priest. I tried to sort of just mingle in with everyone else. They're all standing around this fire because it was really cold. The problem is that I've got a really heavy accent, and so when I speak, everyone knows where I'm from. And then that stupid girl started questioning me. Three times she bugged me. You're one of them. You're one of them. And all the miracles and teaching I'd heard just went out the door. Jesus was standing there beaten and humiliated. And where was his kingdom? I denied that I knew him. Totally denied that I knew Jesus. When the cock crowed, suddenly Jesus lifted his eyes and across the courtyard looked me straight in the eye. And his eyes just seemed to bore into me. I couldn't handle it. I just had to get out of that place as fast as I could. I don't mind admitting, I was, I was just a mess. I lost it. I felt such anger at myself, such a failure. 
Well, after it all, I mean, you know what happened, the cross and, and then the resurrection. I mean, it was just incredible, mind-blowing. But I, I couldn't forget about what I'd done. It was great to be with Jesus, and, but he knew, I knew, everyone else knew. It was just there. So I went back fishing. I knew fishing. I was good at fishing. I wasn't going to be part of God's plan anymore. Some of the others joined me. There were seven of us. We'd been at it all night. Not one fish. It seems like I wasn't even good at fishing anymore. It was barely light and we could just make out this figure on the shore. And he yelled out to us asking if we'd had any fish. We said, no. He said, well, there's heaps of fish on the other side of the boat. It's like, what does he know? He's 100 meters away. I'm the fisherman. It's light now anyway. Anyway, we did it just to humor him. Put the nets on the other side, and suddenly there were fish everywhere. And it all came back in a flash three years ago. Same thing, no fish. Jesus telling me to put the, try again. It was this flood of memories just came back and my heart leapt. It was Jesus. I don't care anymore. I leapt out of that boat and, and swam ashore. And there was Jesus and he had this big grin all over his face. He'd already caught the fish. He had fish sitting there cooking on the fire. Where did he get the fish from anyway? The others came ashore and we counted the fish. 153. I still remember that number. 153 fish. It was like old times, having breakfast together. We knew it was Jesus, but well, none of us asked him. It was still pretty hard to get used to this idea he was alive. When you'd seen someone die in front of you, it was pretty hard to get your head around. And there was something different about Jesus too. It just, I don't know, I can't explain it, but there was something different. We were laughing together and talking away, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue... Jesus says, Simon, son of John. Well, Jesus never called me that. I mean, it was my name, but right from the beginning, he'd always called me Peter. He'd changed my name. Simon, son of John, he said. Do you love me more than these others? Everyone stopped talking. What could I say? I'd been the one that, that said, I'll never let Jesus down. Everyone knew what I'd said. I'd pride myself on the one who would stick by Jesus. I was the leader. What could I say? Yes, Lord, you know I love you, was all I could say. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then he asked again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, what could I say? You know, Lord, I love you. He said, feed my sheep. And then he asked a third time. And it all came flooding back. The fire in the courtyard, that girl asking me, the cock crowing, Jesus looking at me. And here we are again, standing around a fire. The shame and the regret just came flooding back to the surface. I wasn't fit for the kingdom. I couldn't lead. I was no better than anyone else. Part of me just wanted to run from it all. 
And yet I see Jesus looking at me, believing in me. I see the look in his eyes of grace and love. And I said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Then feed my sheep, says Jesus. And at that moment, I felt God's grace just wash over me. It was okay. We're okay. God had a plan for my life. God wanted to use me in the kingdom. Not because I deserved it, but because of His grace. And something just lifted off me that day. Something changed. comes points in our life when we all come to some painful realisations. We're not the person that we want to be or think we could be. Sometimes it comes after the failure of some kind, maybe a marriage breakup leads to a self-examination of our role, maybe a moral failure leads us to despair and self-criticism. Maybe we take a look at ourselves and are frustrated at the lack of progress in our character. Maybe there's an area of sin in our life that keeps tripping us up time and time again. Maybe some kind of midlife crisis. The reality is that the grief that we experience at our own failures and shortcomings can lead to a number of things. One option is that they simply lead to a retreat. We opt out of kingdom and church activities. We opt out of fellowship with others. We go fishing. We still believe in God, but we withdraw from fellowship with others and with any sense of being part of the mission of God. A second option is that we live with despair. We bury the guilt and the shame Peter would have known that Jesus knew and everyone else knew of his failure. And so he would feel, I can never be respected again. So he'd never respect himself. And even though he'd buried it, or if he had buried it, there would be, it would come to the surface in depression and self-criticism and pessimism. It would have eaten away at him. It would have robbed him of any joy and energy. And there would have been a huge fear of failing again. There's a third option as well in terms of how potentially people deal with this grief. Peter could have thrown himself into kingdom ministry. He could could have become incredibly intolerant of anyone else that didn't give 100% for the cause or could have become very intolerant of anyone that compromised. He would have looked passionate and I for God because I failed for God and because I failed myself, then I need to make it up. It would have been a desire to make up for his failings. Sort of a Protestant penance, as it were. And it leads to a very destructive kind of Christianity, which is actually surprisingly common in Christian circles. A drivenness that comes out of guilt. 
Sometimes you see this in public figures who are very vocal about moral issues, and yet then you discover that they have been having an affair. They've been driven by their own guilt. And there's no grace or joy in such a person. None of these responses to the grief of their own failure is actually a good response. But also, there is a helpful response. Grief of our own failings and shortcomings can lead us to a deep humility. And I think there are two profound truths in this story of Peter. Because Peter came out of that encounter with Jesus, a changed man. He went on to be the key leaders in the church. He went on uh, to die uh, for Jesus. Um, and uh, Jesus predicted this uh, later on. He said, you're going to go where you don't want to go when you get old. And uh, Peter was crucified for the sake of the kingdom. As he was being crucified, he said, I don't want to die the same way as Jesus. I'm not worthy. And so he was crucified upside down. But I think there are two truths that come from this little story about Peter. And the first truth, the profound truth, is that God's love is greater than our failure and humanity. It's a lesson I've had to learn in my own life as I came back from a time of deep depression and trying to take my own life. God's love is greater than our failure and humanity. No matter what you've done, where you've been, God wants to restore you to relationship with himself. And Jesus beautifully restores Peter here. He repeats the question three times. He does it around a fire. He does it in front of his fellows, fellow disciples. He does it around a meal. God's love is greater than our failure and humanity. And the second profound truth in this little story is that God's mission is greater than our own efforts. God uses flawed people for his purposes. The mission of God is greater than our own efforts and our own failures. Peter is recommissioned for a kingdom task again. But the catch of fish reminds us of something really important. You see, yep, Peter has to be obedient. He has to put down the nets. But it was not Peter's cleverness or his, his moral standing that brought about the catch of fish. It was God who did it. Just as he did the first time. It wasn't because Peter was more righteous or greater or whatever that he caught the fish. He just had to be obedient. God brought about the catch. Because the catch of fish is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the work of the kingdom, for the missional task that we've been given. And the success of that task is not based on our goodness or our strength. It's based on God. We have to be faithful, but it's God who takes our human effort and takes uh, us in our flaws and failures, and it's God who produces the harvest. The mission of God is greater than our abilities and our weaknesses. We all carry regrets and grief from the past. As we look back at our own actions and as we wonder whether we've grown at all, so we see ourselves struggling with the same habits and behaviors that trip us up. We look at ourselves and we wish we were someone else. We come to the painful realization that we're not who we'd like to be. May God speak to us through this passage 
to reveal the heart of God, to restore and to heal us from this grief and loss. As we come to commune this morning, we remember Jesus, who is described as being someone who is acquainted with the deepest of grief. Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. He turned, uh, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. We do not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. I'm going to invite the communion stewards to come forward. We're going to hand around communion. As we do that, this is going to be some music playing.